0: I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Newly ordained priests can be dangerous, for they have all kinds of ideas. Ideas for how the parish can be improved, and ideas about how you can be improved. And I confess, I was that priest. I had all kinds of ideas when I served in Warwick, New York. Warwick is a sleepy, charming village set in the midst of bucolic apple orchards and horse farms. Though only 45 minutes from Manhattan, We had no direct train line and a few mountains between us and the city. So we were like a little Shangri-La. You had to search for us. The village is filled with small shops, neighbors who all know one another, and lots of community events, including an Apple Fest every fall for which the good church church folks spent weeks cooking down apples to make enough apple butter to sell to the nearly 30,000 people who descended on the tiny village for that festival weekend. It was a picture postcard. It is a picture postcard of a village. It was a very comfortable life, but it didn't leave much room for a new priest who had ideas about how she should help her people be better at following the gospel. Who in that beautiful village needed our help? Finally, the priest struck upon it. We had a thrift store as part of the parish open Wednesdays and Saturdays. It was a beautifully curated shop offering upscale clothes and home goods at a low price. People lined up outside before we opened in order to get first crack at new inventory. So, thought the priest, why not offer a community breakfast one Saturday a month, a chance to be hospitable, and surely there were people who came to the thrift store who needed our help, the lonely, the elderly, farmers struggling to make ends meet, and undocumented farm workers paid too little by struggling farmers. The parish agreed to the plan, once a month we would serve pancakes and sausage, coffee and orange juice to anyone who walked through the door, rich or poor, known or unknown. And we would be full on gospel followers, humbly serving all who entered, serving them at table, clearing dishes for our guests. We the privileged, blessed church folk would do good unto others. Early on, we had small crowds, as the word hadn't yet gotten out, so some of the cooks would sit down to eat with the guests, and that seemed fine and neighborly. But later, some of our guests would try to offer donations for the breakfast, or they would offer to bust their own plates, or would offer to help in the kitchen. But that wasn't part of the plan. We were there to serve them. The new priest was clear, this was us serving, humbling ourselves, lifting up the lowly, letting them sit at the place of honor, inviting all, not just our friends and neighbors, to our breakfast buffet. It was a lovely thing to see the parish hall fill up with older people from the village who were often lonely and young families speaking Spanish and the awkward who didn't get out much to socialize. But we, well, to be honest, I, had missed the poetry of this parable. In the hurry to do good, to follow Jesus, to help my people be better disciples, I had turned this and other scripture into a set of instructions. A list of to-dos handed to the righteous, rather than a vision meant for all of us. The scripture today can certainly be followed in one's daily life. Being humble is always a good idea. Inviting a wide variety of guests, even those who will never invite you over in return, is maybe a foretaste of heaven, but it is certainly guaranteed to make for an awkward party. But this scripture really isn't a guide for how to be the best guest or the most faithful host, rather, it's a parable a portrait, a vision of the kingdom of God. Just a few days before the events of today's gospel, Jesus had set his face towards Jerusalem. He knew he was walking towards his own death, and yet all he can talk about in this chapter and the next are parties. One party after another. Here Jesus is at a dinner party at the house of a Pharisee. He knows where he is going and he certainly understands how guests and hosts are supposed to behave. Now he and the Pharisees sometimes got along, sometimes didn't. It was pretty complicated, but Jesus accepted this invitation and then set about quickly offending every single person there. First, In the section of the gospel we didn't read today, Jesus heals a man with dropsy, swollen joints. Now there's nothing wrong with healing someone, obviously, but it's a little weird to do it in the middle of a dinner party. Surely he could have done this privately or at another time. The Sabbath would have been over in a couple hours. And then Jesus chastises the guests. Don't be pushy, he warns. Go to the lowest place and wait to be called up. Now, this isn't bad advice on the face of it, though imagine the consequences if everyone followed it. Forty people all at the far end of the room waiting to be asked to join the host who's now sitting all by himself at the banquet table. Then after schooling the guests, Jesus turns to the host and offers more advice. Don't invite those you know and like. Invite all those who are outsiders, those who can never repay you. Jesus sounds like an awesome Fun party guest doesn't he but that's only I think if we take him literally for Jesus isn't trying so much to be Emily Post here rather he's showing all of us the kingdom of God Right after this, he'll tell a parable of the great banquet where the host insists that he will have a full house at his banquet, even if that means inviting everybody, the poor, the outsiders, those who never get invited to parties. In the next chapter, Jesus tells parable after parable about parties thrown whenever the lost, a sheep, a coin, a prodigal son, whenever the lost are found. So here's the good news. After the clever young priest moved on from Warwick, the people of the parish and of the village, wiser and much more sensitive to the poetry of the parables, well, they grew that Saturday breakfast from once a month to every week. And the people of the parish and the people from the larger community, farm workers and farmers, wealthy donors to the thrift shop, elderly folks and little children, white and black and brown, well, all got jumbled together. Everyone now shares the cooking and the serving and the cleaning up. All are guests, all are hosts. No one is trying to prove how humble one is. No one is meant to be grateful for being treated well. It really is a vision of the kingdom of God. Where I'd been too literal, the people got the poetry. The parables aren't how we wonderfully righteous Jesus followers should behave. It's good news for all of us about what kind of host our God is, if we are willing to allow it. The Anglican poet and priest George Herbert captures this in a poem where the speaker addresses God as love. Love who is inviting the speaker over and over to be his guest. The speaker cannot accept the invitation, too ashamed of his sinfulness to believe that love would ever want him, yet ultimately realizes that we do not make ourselves worthy. God does that. Many of you know the poem. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. So I did sit and eat. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. Our Lord is the host, a wounded host, and he invites us to join him in that humility. Nothing we do earns us a place at the banquet by God's grace all are welcomed." If we can accept the humility of that, if we can accept and follow the wounded one, following him to death, his, ours, if we can accept that nothing we can do will earn us a spot at the banquet of God, at the supper of the Lamb, at the feast of the one who accepted the lowest place of all. If we can accept that everyone will be there, those we like and those we don't. If we can accept that the accounting books have been wiped clean of both the good we've done and the wrongs we've committed, then we and everybody else Will be welcome to the party where all, all, you, and me, sinners and saints, where all will sit and eat. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.